Guys, I'm bringing the party to you. Age of Ultron. Um, we are looking back at sort of films in the Avengers series or all the films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and taking a bit of a retrospective look back on those. This time around, we are featuring the first Avengers movie, which I believe was tagline Avengers Assemble, wasn't it? It was, yeah, in the UK, uh, we have to call it Avengers Assemble. I think that's the law. But in America and el- everywhere else in the world, it's just the Avengers. But it's because the UK have got their own Avengers, isn't it? It's because people thought we might confuse it with the um, Roger Moore film. Yes. That's it, really. Yeah. Which anyone who confuses a massive franchise movie like this with, that is just unbelievable. Yes. But there we go. Um, Avengers Assemble, uh, as it's called. Yeah. Uh, and obviously this one we are joined by Carol Petz for the first time since her um, departure from the regular roster of podcast guests. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good to get Carol. We love Carol. She's brilliant, so... Uh, yes. And obviously a massive fan of the Avengers film, so yeah, yeah, put some good things to say about that later on. Obviously, in this we've got the the retro reviews, retrospective reviews, clips, and a trailer which is following us now. The world has changed. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. We are hopelessly outgunned. Captain, it's time. I still believe in heroes. The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Earth's Mightiest Heroes type thing. I have an army. We have a Hulk. It tells a story of a group of superheroes joining together to fight Loki and his army from outer space who are trying to invade and destroy the Earth. So yeah, what did we think of the film? I loved it. I thought it was really good. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let everybody else come in and say how much they love it first before we go into any detail. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it as well. And yeah, I, I, I imagine you also loved it, Steve. It was it was brilliant. I mean, some superhero film. I mean, both Batman films that have been released recently, the most recent two with um, mm-hmm. Christian Bale have been have been brilliant. The, the first of the the new Spider-Man films was quite good. The other two were let downs. The new Superman films are let down. Some of the films involving the superheroes in this Avengers film haven't been brilliant. Although I did enjoy both Iron Man's, and you know some of them haven't been great by any stretch. This film, you know, a lot of the problems you get with films where it's kind of an ensemble cast as well. You get people mm. trying to upstage each other. 
people trying to get the best lines and the best of the script and the best of the action. This, it tended to balance itself out pretty well. You also had the right mix of sort of the build-up and the end action scene. Some films like this, it ends up just being one big battle where you can't really understand what's going on. There's a lot going on, and it ends up getting boring. And it wasn't the case in this. It was kind of the right balance between the end battle and the rest of the film, the build-up. Yeah, I agree entirely. I thought one of the best things about it was they, they did manage to give, even though there was there was six of them, they gave everyone a load of screen time and gave a lot of detail to their background, but it wasn't like contrived, like going from one to the other. It, it seemed quite natural the way they managed to introduce everyone. And like the writing was just really, really efficient. I thought everything was, was needed and useful. There wasn't anything spare, which took up any time so that they could just get every, everyone in, get plenty of screen time for all the characters and get lots of dialogue for all of them as well. It wasn't like, there was any one-dimensional characters in it, which I thought was a really impressive achievement. Yeah, interesting yeah, thought, point on Samuel L. I, uh, I read this week. He's now the highest-grossing actor of all time. Uh, I, I think that's for... Oh, I love Samuel L. Jackson, but yeah, he he has been in films which have earned the most money of all um, time. And uh, God bless Samuel L. Of course. Um, I, thought, I thought they were all good, to be fair, but I thought the best performer of all of them was uh, Tom Hiddleston playing Loki. I thought he was the standout uh, role in the whole film. Tom Hiddleston, um, I, I've not seen Thor, um, so I, I don't know about his previous performance. I can only go on the performance here. He had a kind of mean, hungry look about him. He had a very definite presence different to the superheroes. He brought something otherworldly to his role, actually, I think. I know part of that will have been the makeup, but I think his performance was otherworldly. He had some great lines. Um, he actually... He said Mewling Quim at one point, which... which As soon as it was set, I was like, I'm writing that down. You Mewling Quim. (laughs) That is the best insult I've ever heard in a superhero film full stop. You won't find a better insult in an 18-rated film. No, it It was was a very Shakespearean insult for a a Marvel film. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. He was was good in Thor. I have seen Thor uh, this week in preparation for the Avengers. And he was good, but he, he wasn't as good as he is now. I mean, you understand a bit more about his character. For those who've seen Thor, he's not actually Thor's brother. He's Thor's adopted brother. And uh, it's a long story. But he's good in that, and he's given a bit of time, but he's not got the same sort of presence. I think part of that direction, I think they really focused on making him this sort of aloof character. He was really dark, brooding all the time, and and he was always given shots where he's alone, even in groups of people. So I thought he was really good. Yeah, also about where, because I read up on, uh, it, I couldn't, I just read up on Wikipedia, I didn't have time to watch films this week, but um, there was a fantastic line from Chris Hemsworth as Thor about kind of where Loki came from, whether or not he was his brother, and so, <laughs> which was such a Joss Whedon line, and it, it, it got proper laughter in the cinema. There were a few times, there was spontaneous applause in the cinema that I was in, for certain bits of this film. What I loved about this film was it is funnier than most comedies that come out of Hollywood these days. There were enough funny lines in there for me to say, to, for it to have been a um, a Will Ferrell film or something like that. Uh, re- but really good crafted funny lines. A lot of them for uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Downey Jr., Iron yeah, Man. I mean, <laughs> Tony Stark is amazing. But, I mean, that, that was one point I was going to make, that in sort of every film where there's a group of good guys whether it's a film like this or Star Wars as a collective I know I drew a parallel with Star Wars between Captain America and Iron Man or um, Steve Rogers and Tony Stark they're basically they're both good guys they're both on the side of good but they're completely different one sort of the clean cut 
you know, straight A's, mm. perfect image, and the other one's arrogant, cocky, up himself. But they're both on the same side. It's kind of like, you know, Captain America's like Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Iron Man's like Han Solo. Yeah. And kind of when you're growing up, until you get to puberty, you want to be Luke Skywalker or Captain America. You want to be the good guy. You want to be the one with the cool suit and the, you know, the, the Jedi, essentially. When you hit puberty and you start liking girls, you think, I'd rather be Han Solo or Iron Man because they're actually pretty cool. They get all the best lines. They get the women. They're pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's a really good dynamic actually between those two, as well because obviously Captain America comes from an older, more innocent, patriotic time, and he's been thrust into a completely different world. Although Chris Evans handled that role really well, and what I really loved actually, and it was a symbol of how well put together this film was, not only did it not feel like two hours, twenty-something minutes, and like Jerry was saying, not a single second of it is wasted. Uh, There's no buffer anywhere in this film. Uh, It goes zips along at a great pace, but um, having a look on Internet Movie Database, there are 14 great named actors who have good lines at some point in this. It's a ridiculously big ensemble cast, and I think, yeah, we've spoken about the people playing the Avengers, but there's some really, really good standout performances from the kind of supporting cast. I thought... um, Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson was brilliant. He had some fantastic lines. Mm. Um, Kobe Smulders as Maria Hill not only had a few good lines, but I think I'm in love with her now. I absolutely, uh, I, I was blown away by her. um, She's, uh, I'm going to ask her to marry me, basically. That's that. If my wife lets me, I want to marry Kobe Smulders. But even Gwyneth Paltrow got some really good lines and she got a bit more, um, than you would have expected from this film. I expected a bit of a cameo. And I didn't even realise that Paul Bettany played Jarvis. And you just, th- just looking through the cast list. And yeah, Jeremy Renner didn't really have too much to do. Um, but you know, he's, I'm looking forward to seeing him in the new Bourne films now, um, on the back of this film, basically, because I thought he he did really well with the small amount that he had. But what I think we have skirted around is who completely stole the film. We haven't really mentioned him so far. And I know that, Steve, you were really, uh, you know, really excited about his performance. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo is, is the Incredible Hulk, or Dr. Bruce Banner. He was fantastic in both roles, if that makes sense, as both Bruce Banner and the Hulk. The Hulk, the character was just brilliant, stole the show. Had funny moments, had sort of, you know, important moments, was, you know, great action moments as well. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I thought the whole way he was written in really nicely, that was like a, a nice way to tie the group together as well. You know, the way they used that dynamic and there was a, the tension between him possibly turning into the Hulk and just destroying them all at any moment and the way they were all on edge quite a lot of the time and talking to him differently and mentioning it and making jokes about it. I thought that was that was really well done and it was a really good way of creating that group atmosphere between all the main characters. And he, he did have some, some really funny lines, like some really good self-deprecating humour all the way through. He's just really come on as an actor. Uh, and he had a real kind of quiet dignity about his role, uh, which I really enjoyed. And it, what I found was also great was the CGI version of the Hulk. You could tell it was Mark Ruffalo as well. They they yeah. made it look enough like him so that you believe the transformation. Whereas kind of previous Hulk films, it's just been either Ed Norton or um, Eric Banner. And then all of a sudden it's a big green thing. But you, you felt the connection between the two and you felt it was Mark Ruffalo playing Hulk as well. I thought Scarlett Hansen as well was there. A bit of an unlikely scene sealer a lot of the time. Her backside yeah, definitely was. 
<laughs> I, I agree, because I didn't know really much about Black Widow. And when I saw the original Avengers trailer, uh, the bit where, you know, the one that everyone's seen on TV, um, uh, Iron Man says, I'm bringing the party to you, that massive thing comes around the corner. Um, and it's the six of them kind of like in a circle, and the camera pans around them. And they're all getting their special gear out, and she just loads a, like a Colt 45. And I was like, well, what's her, her deal then? Mm. Um, but... It's very different because she is quite a um, a subtle superhero. There's there's not much in the way of crash bang wallop type special skills, so she didn't have a lot to work with there. But I thought she did really really well actually, and I've not always been a huge Scarlett Johansson fan, but she she fitted in nicely. How desperate are you? You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. Love the scene, the scenes at the beginning where they go together putting the, putting the team together. I mean, you get, you get that in all films of this ilk where a group of people have to come together, whether it's my, one of my favourites, Mighty Ducks 2, or whether it's something like, you know, whether it's the awful new A-Team movie with Liam Neeson. But when Are you going to mention Mighty Ducks 2 in every podcast? I'm going to try. Uh, I'll tell you that. It didn't, it didn't... obscure references you can make to Mighty Ducks films. But you know what I mean? It's, it's that, when they sort of bring everyone together, of diff- you know, they've all got different yeah. talents and abilities that they need, and it was just brilliantly done. It wasn't, it, no one really got overdone or over-exaggerated. None was sort of just put to the side and just goes, oh yeah, he said he's going to turn up. And what was great, I thought, was they carried that through so that in the big climactic battle, you do see the Avengers having to work together. Mm. You do see the fact that their different skill sets are important. You know, it's not just, it's not like a super group they put together. They do need each other and they do need their very different skills. And, and, I, and I think that was worked in really well. It felt like a cinematic event, and I, I enjoyed being in a community of people who were cheering and who were hollering at the same time at the screen. I haven't been, I haven't seen that for so long, and I think this film deserved it. Yes, so that was our retro review of Avengers Assemble. Cover your ears, Carol. I'm just calling it Avengers Assemble from now on. Which was taken from when the film came out in 2012. It was the second podcast we ever did. So I say we, I wasn't there. I wasn't even around for that one. It's that that long ago. Uh, But I am here for this one and I'm with Carol Pitts. Hello. Hello, Carol. Thanks for for coming back. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, well, it seems the logical choice, really, when we're doing Marvel films. You're, you were a Marvel expert, so bringing oh, you back for these films. <laughs> God help us all. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're just going to go on and, and, and review what is probably the biggest film f- to come out of the MCU. Probably. Uh, yeah. In at least terms for now. Of, yeah, at least <laughs> for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, until Age of Ultron, perhaps. Trumps it at the box office, but uh, yeah. So here we are. Um, Carol is a- Avengers Assemble or the Avengers? I'll call it the Avengers for your benefit. Please. Is the Avengers <laughs> your favourite of the MCU so far? Do you think? 
that's I don't know. It's, it's like choosing between your own children, isn't it? I, yeah. I don't know. I, okay. I do really, really. It's definitely the best of phase one, if mm. that helps. Okay. I well, think we'll there is... hold that thought. Yeah. We'll come back to it after we've talked about it a bit because it might <laughs> might change your mind. So, um, as people can probably gather from that, we are both fans of Avengers Assemble, of the Avengers, whatever we want to call it. Directed by Joss Whedon, um, which was his first and one of only two films he's going to direct uh, in the MCU. Yes. And sort of brought a head to a head the Phase 1 film. So we had the Iron Man films, Incredible Hulk, Thor, Captain America, they all built up to this. It was an ambitious project, and why did it work, Carol? What made it work? Why Why was Avengers such a successful project? Oh, my God. Uh, I, I think if more people knew the answer, we'd probably have more of them, wouldn't we? That's true. Um, I think it just worked because everyone uh, kind of got a, a lot of screen time and, and they all got really kind of snappy dialogue. We we know that Whedon can write snappy dialogue. We've we've heard it in, I've heard it, in uh, Serenity and Firefly and, and Buffy, which is like one of the first um, TV shows I really grew up watching, um, you know, like long form yeah, like all yeah. the way through. So we know he can do it. And, I, and I've read his um, run on Astonishing X-Men, which is a really, really good run <laughs> if, you haven't, what, if yeah. you haven't read it. It's fantastic. But, um, yeah, it was just, I, I don't know. I, I just remember being so relieved that it had worked, to be perfectly honest, because yeah. it's, it's, it's quite funny. It's quite kind of touching in parts. I don't know whether we can talk about the the moving parts or whether we're going to talk about those we later. We can talk about whatever we we want and when you want, Carol. Basically, <laughs> it's fine. I think we're 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 past the realm of worrying about spoilers yeah, or anything like that. So no spoiler alert for the end of the podcast. No, there's none. The the impact's probably been dulled a little bit now because of Agents of Shield. But when um, Coulson dies. Uh, I remember sitting in the in the cinema and people going, oh, no, not, not Phil. Oh, my God. Because he'd been, I mean, you could kind of see it coming because he does have such a large um, or an expanded part in this. Yes. But, yeah, it's like the typical Star Trek. Oh, someone gets a line and then they're going to die. <laughs> He's just been there throughout the whole throughout the whole phase and he gets killed off and everyone's like, right, that's it. And it all kind of, you know, kicks off up until then. There's been this kind of bickering, like uh, sibling bickering. Yeah, I would say um, between everyone, everyone gets a, like a decent fight in against each other, which is partly um, set up by the the main uh, antagonist of the films, by Loki, isn't it? You know, yeah. it sort of brings them all together with the intention of forcing them apart, almost. Yeah, that never really made much sense to me, to be no. honest. <laughs> bring them all together, bring the most powerful uh, people like in in the universe together, so they can try and defeat you. I've never, you know, maybe you know, maybe they'll split apart, but then maybe you'll do something to actually bring them back together again. Oops, yeah. and uh, <laughs> which, you know, it was an ambitious plan, I think, but obviously it failed in the end. But yeah, it's just it's very funny. It's very snappy. Um, there are some really good action scenes, and you never in the action scenes you never lose sense of of what's going on. Where whereas you re, you watch things like Transformers, and you know you're like, okay, so that big robot is hitting that big robot, but I can't see all of it because mm. they can't fit it in the screen. You know, in this you like you always know where things are going on. You, yeah. you you never lose track of it. And and that's everything, isn't it? From the sort of the 
close up hand to hand combat fights. But also the opposite of that is the, the big fight with the Chitari at the end. And you can clearly make out what's happening. I think Joss Whedon did a very good job at directing those scenes. Yeah, so I, w- I was never any, in any doubt that he was going to do really well um, with the script. I was worried about how he'd handle the big action scene because let's let's be honest, he hasn't had a well up until then he hadn't had a great track record in film. He did Sorrenti, which is I don't think I like Firefly. I didn't think Sorrenti was particularly good, to be perfectly honest. Um, mm. But you know that's probably the the biggest um, one he's had. He's done a lot of screenwriting, but as far as directing goes, he hasn't really he he didn't really have a great track record. So I think a lot of people were a bit worried about how he was going to handle the big um, action sequences yeah. and stuff. I know but, everyone's really disappointed he's not coming back after Age of yeah. <laughs> I think he's very into creating his own original stuff. And by the time, I think he's still like around and he's given kind of guidance. But by the time he's done with this, he won't have created any of his own stuff for about 10 years. And that's, you know, I, I can imagine that's pretty tough. One of the things that really surprised me was not that it made a huge profit, but just how much money it has made in total. It's $1.5 billion. I mean, that is a huge amount. Yeah, that is a huge amount. So that really shocked me. Were you surprised at the time or? Yeah, I uh, was because I didn't think, well, apart from the Iron Man films, I didn't think the rest of them had been particularly well received. They did okay. Mm. They, you know, they did pretty well. No one's going to post them down at, at a loss. Yeah, apart apart from the Iron Man ones. But, um, yeah, so, you know, obviously there was like a, a, a hardcore group of nerds. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, that's that's not a pejorative term. I, I would class myself <laughs> in there, um, who were going to go and see it regardless. Mm-hmm. But then I think word of mouth got out and people were like, actually, it's really good. I remember going into work um, the day after I saw it. It was on a Wednesday or something. And everyone was like, what's it like? I was like, it's really good. And they said, are you just saying it because you're a big mole fan? I said, no, it's really good. Like, take your kids, like, mm-hmm. take your wife, go and see it. Mm-hmm. It's really, you'll really enjoy it. And everyone came back on the Monday and said, Oh, that was really good, wasn't it? <laughs> and then they all told other people. And I think well, that, that was the thing. It just didn't. It didn't just appeal to the nerds, as you said. It, you know, I had a colleague as well who was in the same position who just never, not interested in these kind of films at all. Had no interest in Avengers. And I said, well, it's quite an entertaining blockbuster, and she enjoyed it. And it just had kind of a mass appeal that the other films lacked, I suppose. I don't know whether it was just because it was kind of. An antidote. I don't mind the Nolan films, but uh, Nolan Batman films. But, yeah. but you know, obviously, there's a lot of people who don't feel that. I, obviously, DC is a different flavour anyway to Marvel. Marvel's meant to be more fun. Yeah. Um. So we've been getting these kind of really serious films like the Bat- Nolan Batman, and then even before that, there were um, like the X Men films were quite serious and you know, kind yeah. of straight faced. Not this is all adventures and all uh, played for last, but there's definitely a lot more kind of zingers in there. Mm. And it's still funny as well. When I watched it yesterday, I still laughed at Hulk punching Thor. <laughs> just, I know it's coming, but it's still funny. Oh, he's just fantastic in this Hulk. I mean, it's great as well that even though Mark Ruffalo had sort of come in and filled Ed Norton's shoes, so to speak, that it, it worked. It just worked really well. He was fantastic in this. He he is a more realistic banner in my opinion. I think he is yeah. like I think he's the banner. Like even from the there's a bit on top of the helicarrier when um Steve Rogers turns up and like Banner's just uh, kind of like moving around really nervously around all yeah. these kind of jocks and, and you know, people who are in like the air force and stuff like that and you're just like, Yep, that's that's Bruce Banner. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is immediately him. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um in fact the, 
it's not just Bruce Banner, but just to even that little scene that you mentioned, just bringing everybody together um, yeah. was one of the film's achievements because aside from the fact that they're all big superhero characters and so on, they're also, you know, actors with egos uh, to please, so to speak. So to try and get them all into a room and get the best out of all of them was, that's quite an achievement as well, I feel. Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of a necessary evil that it's so, it spends so much time setting that up because they don't really all kind of pull together until the last, I don't know, half an hour or something. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's going to, you know, because you can't just put all these people into a room and go, oh, hey, we're all friends now, we'll just fight this guy, it's fine. Yeah, you know, they've, they've each got to have a reason for, for doing it, basically. Yeah. Um, which is actually one of the things I'm looking forward to with Age of Ultron. You know, you're not, they're not doing that anymore. It's straight straight down to business, basically. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, we'll see, yeah. We'll see. Another hour on top of the um, runtime, though, for Age of Ultron, isn't it? Almost so. Uh, yeah, um, I, yeah. <laughs> I just hope it's used well. Yeah, <laughs> I don't well, mind a long film as long as it's entertaining. Yeah, well, Avengers isn't a short film by any stretch. I mean, it's 140 minutes. Yeah, I think um, Avengers: uh, Age of Ultron is still under three hours. Is it still under three? Hours? Well, yeah. So this yeah. is about two hours <laughs> ten minutes, I think. Which. Ordinarily, I would say is long for a film, but the pace of this film just zips by very quickly. Yeah, I can't really think of um, any kind of slow bits, to be honest. No. And uh, I, I suppose that... Okay, well, particular highlights, have you got any for this film? Uh, it's quite a lot, aren't there? There's <laughs> quite a lot. Just pick out a few. Um, I quite like... I, I do like, and I, and I think that Whedon wrote this in intentionally, Coulson's fangirling. <laughs> over, over it's so funny yeah. makes me like especially when he's kind of oh they're mint conditions yeah. has he, <laughs> he got you to sign his, his Captain America cards yeah yeah and then he goes into real slight foxing around the edges real detail <laughs> <laughs> and these people do these people do go into such detail I'm sure um, I really like the uh, scene between or the scenes between Loki and Thor though mm. I think those are I think those are better than than Anything in the previous one, or the, or the one after, to be perfectly honest. Because, you know, he thinks, Thor thinks Loki's dead, and then he's actually not dead, but he's actually trying to take over Earth. And, uh, you know, Thor's like, oh, I'm not sure about this. And, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> although obviously he doesn't say that. And, uh, yeah, so there, there's some really good scenes there. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, there's just so much, isn't there? There is. It's ridiculous. Okay. I think one of the things that you've touched on as perhaps not being fantastic about about Avengers was uh, Loki's motivation to bring them all together and things. Yeah. Is there anything else that perhaps <laughs> it doesn't make sense? Um, I I don't really like the 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 way it was ended. I appreciate that there was literally nothing else they could have done. I would have struggled with that. But the mm. idea that they kind of there's a thread that's cut because the um, spaceship gets blown up and then all of a sudden every every dies yeah. is a bit of a cop out to be perfectly honest but this is really picking like this is really nitpicking here there's a, there's far more right in this film than there is than there is wrong but yeah I, I think but I think people have, I think Whedon's acknowledged that that's basically had no other way of doing it mm. he wrote himself into a corner yeah but it does at least set up some interesting dynamics that ran through phase two from that moment oh yeah definitely yeah Big man in a suit of armor. Take that off. What are you? Genius billionaire playboy philanthropist. We did mention it at the very start. Favourite film so far of phase one or phase two? 
Oh. If you have one, of course. <laughs> Um, I think just because I've seen it more, I think I have to go with Avengers. Mm-hmm. But uh, Guardians of the Galaxy isn't that far behind, and Winter Soldier isn't far behind that. So it would be you could ask me on another day, and I would probably say something different. If I <laughs> if I just watched Guardians of the Galaxy, I might say that one instead. But um, yeah, just for just for the sheer ambition, really, mm. I think it's still got to be Avengers. Okay. And so I guess then the final question really is just looking ahead to phase three. Are there any that you're particularly looking forward to? Any that sort of stand out for you? Well, there's just there's just really one, isn't there? Civil War, bitches. Of course, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be Civil War, especially now Spider-Man's in it. I, to be honest, I'm not really sure how that's going to work because everyone knows who Spider-Man is. Yes. Except I, I would really love, and I, I did read this somewhere, I think it was on Twitter, I would absolutely love if they managed to keep Spider-Man's, uh, the new Spider-Man a secret until he does the Civil War scene of pulling off his mask in the film and saying I'm Peter Parker and I've been Spider-Man since I was 17 years old and then everyone would go mental and it would be like Robert Pattinson or someone and everyone would go <laughs> oh, mental God. <laughs> that was a joke, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> and everyone would just go mental I'd love that if they, if they could keep it that secret that would be amazing mm. but um, I, it's obviously not going to happen but it's going it's, it's to be interesting and I really hope that other things aren't sidelined for him because yeah. you know we've had a fair few bites at the cherry with Spider-Man we don't and he's going to have I can't remember whether he's going to have his own film before that or after uh, I think it's an introduction in the MCU and yeah then and then it's afterwards it's... having his own film I mean they, it feels like they've got plenty of time but as long as they don't shoehorn him in yeah, I think that that's the most important thing. So they spent so long. I mean, because the, the the thing is, when people say, "Oh, I wish they had the Spider-Man rights back. I wish they had the X-Men rights back," and you think, "Well, no, not really," because we wouldn't be getting. We'd have just had Spider-Man and X-Men films churned mm. out for the last mm. five years. We probably we might be getting an Iron Man film now, but part of the reason that they had to they had to go with their at the time second like no one thinks of Iron Man being second string now but he was he was and yeah. um, and part of the, you know the whole reason they had to go with that is because they auctioned off all their most famous properties and to be fair if they hadn't done that they wouldn't exist as a company now so um, yeah that's right it worked think, out in the long term yeah I think in the long term it did work out I want to know why Loki let us take him he's not leading an army from here I don't think we should be focusing on Loki that guy's brain is a bag full of cats. He could smell crazy on him. I've care how you speak. Loki is beyond reason, but he is of Asgard. And he is my brother. He killed 80 people in two days. He's adopted. Okay, well, I think that's as good a place as any to, to leave it. So um, I'll just say thank you very much for, for joining us, Carol. You're back on Thor The Dark World, so that's that's another one for people to, to look out for. And then will be the big one, Age of Ultron. You're, you're coming back for that. So It is less than one month now. Less than one month. Less than that for anyone listening to this as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, even closer. Um, but, uh, okay, so thank you very much, Carol, and uh, we'll see you then. Thank you. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. The end battle and the rest of the film, the build-up. Yeah, I agree entirely. I thought one of the best things about it was they, they did manage to give, even though there was there was six of them, they gave everyone a load of screen time. They gave a lot of detail to their background, but it wasn't like contrived, like going from one to the other. It, it seemed quite natural the way they managed to introduce everyone. And like the writing was just really, really efficient. I thought everything was, was needed and useful. There wasn't anything spare, which took up any time so that they could just get every, everyone in, get plenty of screen time for all the characters and get lots of dialogue for all of them as well. It wasn't like there was any one-dimensional characters in it, which I thought was a really impressive achievement. Yeah, interesting yeah, thought, point thought, on Samuel L. I, uh, I read this week. He's now the highest-grossing actor of all time. Uh, I, I think that's... Pro- oh, I love Samuel L. Jackson, but yeah, he, he has been in films which have earned the most money of all um, time. And uh, God bless Samuel L. Of course. Um, I, thought, I thought they were all good, to be fair, but I thought the best performer of all of them was uh, Tom Hiddleston playing Loki. I thought he was the standout he uh, was role in the whole film. Tom Hiddleston, um, I, I've not seen Thor. Um, so I, I don't know about his previous performance. I can only go on the performance here. He had a kind of mean, hungry look about him. He had a very definite presence different to the superheroes. He brought something otherworldly to his role, actually, I think. I know part of that will have been the makeup thing, but I think his performance was otherworldly. He had some great lines. Um, he actually... He said Mewling Quim at one point, which I as soon as it set, was set, I was like, I'm writing that down, you Mewling Quim. <laughs> that is the best insult I've ever heard in a superhero film, full you, stop. You won't find a better insult in an 18-rated film. No, it, it, was, it was a very Shakespearean insult for, mm. a, for a Marvel film. Yes. <laughs> Pretty mad. He was, he was good in Thor. I have seen Thor uh, this yeah. week in preparation for the Avengers, and he was good, but he, he wasn't as good as he is now. I mean, you understand a bit more about his character. For those who've seen Thor, he's not actually Thor's brother. He's Thor's adopted brother. And uh, it's a long story. But he's good in that, and he's given a bit of time, but he's not got the same sort of presence. I think part of that direction, I think they really focused on making him this sort of aloof character. He was really dark, brooding all the time, and and he was always given shots where he was alone, even in groups of people. So I thought he was really good. Yeah, also about where, because I read up on, uh, it, I couldn't, I just read up on Wikipedia, I didn't have time to watch films this week, but um, there was a fantastic line from Chris Hemsworth as Thor about kind of where Loki came from, whether or not he was his brother and so on, which was such a Joss Whedon line, and it, it, it got proper laughter in the cinema. There were a few times, there was spontaneous applause in the cinema that I was in, for certain bits of this film. What I loved about this film was it is funnier than most comedies that come out of Hollywood these days. There were enough funny lines in there for me to say, to, for it to have been a, um, a Will Ferrell film or something like that. Uh, re- but really good crafted funny lines. A lot of them for uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Downey Jr., Iron yeah, Man. I mean, Tony Stark is amazing. But, I mean, that, that was one point I was going to make, that in sort of every... Film where there's a group of good guys, whether it's a film like this or Star Wars as a collective. I know I drew a parallel with Star Wars between Captain America and 
Iron Man or um, Steve Rogers and Tony Stark are basically, they're both good guys, they're both on the side of good, but they're completely different. One's sort of the clean cut, you know, straight edge, mm. perfect image, and the other one's arrogant, cocky, up himself, but they're both on the same side. And it's kind of like, you know, Captain America's like Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Iron Man's like Han Solo. Yeah. And kind of when you're growing up, until you get to puberty, you want to be Luke Skywalker or Captain America. You want to be the good guy. You want to be the one with the cool suit and the, you know, the, the Jedi, essentially. When you hit puberty and you start liking girls, you think, I'd rather be Han Solo or Iron Man because they're actually pretty cool. They get all the best lines. They get the women. They're pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good dynamic, actually, between those two, as well, because obviously Captain America comes from an older, more innocent, patriotic time, and he's been thrust into a completely different world. Although Chris Evans handled that role really well. And what I really loved, actually, and it was a symbol of how well put together this film was, not only did it not feel like two hours, 20 something minutes, and like Jerry was saying, not a single second of it is wasted. Uh, there's no buffer anywhere in this film. Uh, it goes, zip along at a great pace but um having a look on an internet movie database there are 14 great named actors who have good lines at some point in this it's a ridiculously big ensemble cast and i think yeah we've spoken about the people playing the avengers but there's some really really good standout performances from the kind of supporting cast i thought um Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson was brilliant. He had some fantastic lines. Mm. Um, yep. Kobe Smulders as Maria Hill not only had a few good lines, but I think I'm in love with her now. I absolutely, uh, oh, I, I was blown away by her. I, um, she's, uh, I'm going to ask her to marry me, basically. That's that. If my wife lets me, I want to marry Kobe Smulders. But even Gwyneth Paltrow got some really good lines and she got a bit more um, than you would have expected from this film. I expected a bit of a cameo. And I didn't even realise that Paul Bettany played Jarvis. And you just, just looking through the cast list. And, you know, Jeremy Renner didn't really have too much to do. Um, but, you know, he's... I'm looking forward to seeing him in the new Bourne films now, um, on the back of this film, basically, because I thought he, he did really well with the small amount that he had. But what I think we have skirted around is who completely stole the film. We haven't really mentioned him so far. And I know that, Steve, you were really, uh, you know, really excited about his performance. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo is, is the Incredible Hulk, or Dr. Bruce Banner. He was fantastic in both roles, if that makes sense, as both Bruce Banner and the Hulk. The whole the character was just brilliant, stole the show. Had funny moments, had sort of you know, important moments, was you know, great action moments as well. Yeah, I would have to agree. I, I thought the whole way he was written in really nicely. That was like a, a nice way to tie the group together as well, you know, the way they used that dynamic and there was a the tension between him possibly turning into the Hulk and just destroying them all at any moment and the way they were all on edge quite a lot of the time and talking to him differently and mentioning it and making jokes about it. I thought that was that was really well done and it was a really good way of creating that group atmosphere between all the main characters. And he, he did have some, some really funny lines, like some really good self-deprecating humour all the way through. He's just really come on as an actor, uh, and he had a real kind of quiet dignity about his role, uh, which I really enjoyed. And it what I found was also great was the CGI version of the Hulk. You could tell it was Mark Ruffalo as well. They they yeah. made it look enough like him so that you believe the transformation. Whereas kind of previous Hulk films, it's just been either Ed Norton or um Eric Banner 
and then all of a sudden it's a big green thing. But you you felt the connection between the two, and you felt it was Mark Ruffalo playing Hulk as well. I thought Scarlett Hansen as well was uh, a bit of an unlikely steam sealer a lot of the time. Her backside yeah, I... definitely was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree, because I didn't know really much about Black Widow, and when I saw the original Avengers trailer, uh, the bit where, you know, the one that everyone's seen on TV... Um, uh, Iron Man says, I'm bringing the party to you. That massive thing comes around the corner. Um, and it's the six of them kind of like in a circle and the camera pans around them and they're all getting their special gear out. And she just loads a, like a Colt 45. And I was like, well, what's her, her deal then? Mm. Um, but it, it's very different because she is quite a, um, a subtle superhero. There's, there's not much in the way of crash bang wallop type special skills. So she didn't have a lot to work with there. But I thought she did really, really well actually. And I've not always been a huge Scarlett Johansson fan, but she, she fitted in nicely. How desperate are you? You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace, and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. Love the scene, the scenes at the beginning where they go together, putting the putting the team together. I mean, yeah. you get you get that in all films of this ilk, where a group of people have to come together. Whether it's my, one of my favourites, Mighty Ducks Two, or whether it's something <laughs> like you know, whether it's the awful new A Team movie with. Liam Neeson, but when it's gonna mention Mighty Ducks 2 in every podcast. I'm gonna try. Uh, I'll tell you that it didn't, it didn't, obscure references you can make to Mighty Ducks films. But you know, I mean, this, it's that, when they sort of bring everyone together, of different, you know, they've all got different talents and abilities, but they need, and it was just brilliantly done. It wasn't, it, no one really got overdone or over exaggerated. None was sort of just put to the side and just goes, oh yeah, he said he's gonna turn up. And what was great, I thought, was they carried that through so that in the big climactic battle, you do see the Avengers having to work together. Mm. You do see the fact that their different skill sets are important. You know, it's not just, it's not like a super group they put together. They do need each other and they do need their very different skills. And, and, I, and I think that was worked in really well. It felt like a cinematic event and... I, I enjoyed being in a community of people who were cheering and who were hollering at the same time at the screen. I haven't been, I haven't seen that for so long and I think this film deserved it. Yes, so that was our retro review of Avengers Assemble. Cover your ears, Carol. I'm just calling it Avengers Assemble from now on. Which was taken from when the film came out in 2012. It was the second podcast we ever did. So I say we, I wasn't there. I wasn't even around for that one. It's that, that long ago. Uh, but I am here for this one and I'm with Carol Pitts. Hello. Hello, Carol. Thanks for, for coming back. Thank for... you for inviting me. Yeah, well, it seems the logical choice, really, when we're doing Marvel films. You're, you were a Marvel expert, so bringing oh, you back for these films. <laughs> God help us all. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're just going to go on and, and, and review what is probably the biggest film f- to come out of the MCU. Probably. Uh, yeah. In at least terms for now. Of, yeah, at least for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, until Age of Ultron, perhaps. Trumps this at the box office, but uh, yeah. So 
here we are. Um, Carol, is Avengers Assemble, or the Avengers, I'll call it the Avengers for your benefit. Please. Is the Avengers <laughs> <laughs> your favourite of the MCU so far, do you think? I don't question? know. It's, it's like choosing between your own children, isn't it? I, yeah. I don't know. I, okay. I do really, really. It's definitely the best of Phase One, if mm. that helps. Okay. I well, think we'll there is... hold that thought. Yeah. We'll come back to it after we've talked about it a bit because it might <laughs> might change your mind. So, um, as people can probably gather from that, we are both fans of Avengers Assemble, of the Avengers, whatever we want to call it. Directed by Joss Whedon, um, which was his first and one of only two films he's going to direct uh, in the MCU. Yes. And sort of brought a head to a head the Phase 1 film. So we had the Iron Man films, Incredible Hulk, Thor, Captain America, they all built up to this. It was an ambitious project, and why did it work, Carol? What made it work? Why Why was Avengers such a successful project? Oh, my God. Good uh, I think if more people knew the answer, we'd probably have more of them, wouldn't we? That's true. Um, I think it just worked because everyone uh, kind of got a, a lot of screen time and, and they all got really kind of snappy dialogue. We we know that Whedon can write snappy dialogue. We've we've heard it in, I've heard it, in uh, Serenity and Firefly and, and Buffy, which is like one of the first um, TV shows I really grew up watching, um, you know, like long form yeah, like all yeah. the way through. So we know he can do it. And, I, and I've and i read his um, run on Astonishing X-Men, which is a really, really good run <laughs> if you haven't watched, if yeah. you haven't read it. It's fantastic. But, um, yeah, it was just, I, I don't know. I, I just remember being so relieved that it had worked, to be perfectly honest. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's quite funny. It's quite kind of touching in parts. I don't know whether we can talk about the, the moving parts or whether we're going to talk about those we later. We can talk about whatever we, we want and when you want, Carol, basically. <laughs> it's fine. I think we're 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 past the realm of worrying about spoilers yeah, or anything like that. So no spoiler alert for the end of the podcast. No, there's none. The the impact's probably been dulled a little bit now because of Agents of Shield. But when um, Coulson dies, uh, mm. I remember sitting in the in the cinema and people going, oh, "No, not Phil! <laughs> oh my god!" Because he'd been. I mean, you could kind of see it coming because he does have such a large um, or an expanded part in this. Yes. But yeah, it's like the typical. Star Trek, or someone gets a line and then they're going to die. <laughs> He's just been there throughout the whole throughout the whole phase, and he gets killed off, and everyone's like, "Right, that's it," and it all kind of you know kicks off. Up until then, there's been this kind of bickering, like uh, sibling bickering. Yeah, I would say um, between everyone, everyone gets a, like a decent fight in against each other, which is partly um, set up by the the main. Uh, antagonist of the films by Loki, isn't it? You know, yeah. he sort of brings them all together with the intention of forcing them apart, almost. Yeah, that never really made much sense to me, to be no. honest. <laughs> bring them all together. Bring the most powerful uh, people, like, in, in the universe together so they can try and defeat you. I've never, you know, made... You know, maybe they'll split apart, but then maybe you'll do something to actually bring them back together again. Oops. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> which, you know, it was an ambitious plan, I think, but obviously it failed in the end. But, yeah, it's just, it, it's very funny. It's very snappy. Um, there are some really good action scenes. And you never, in the action scenes, you never lose sense of, of 
what's going on where whereas you read you watch things like transformers and you know you're like okay so that big robot is hitting that big robot but i can't see all of it because mm. they can't fit it in the screen you know in this you like you always know where things are going on you, yeah. you you never lose track of it and and that's everything isn't it from the sort of the close-up hand-to-hand combat fights but also the opposite of that is the, the big fight with the chitari at the end and you can clearly make out what's happening i think joss Whedon did a very good job at directing those scenes yeah so i, w- I was never really in any doubt that he was going to do really well um with the script i was worried about how he'd handle the big action scene because let's let's be honest he hasn't had a well up until then he hadn't had a great track record in film he did Sorrenti which is I don't think I like Firefly I didn't think Sorrenti was particularly good to be perfectly honest um mm. but you know that's probably the the biggest um one he's had he's done a lot of screenwriting but as far as directing goes he hasn't really he, he didn't really have a great track record so I think a lot of people were a bit worried about how he was going to handle the big um action sequences yeah. and stuff I know but, everyone's really disappointed he's not coming back after Age of Ultron. I think he's very into creating his own original stuff, and by the time... I think he's still, like, around, and he's given kind of guidance, but by the time he's done with this, he won't have created any of his own stuff for about ten years. And that's, you know, I, I can imagine that's pretty tough. One of the things that really surprised me was, not that it made a huge profit, but just how much money it has made in total. It's $1.5 billion. I mean, that shocked... It's a huge amount, yeah, that is a huge amount. So that really shocked me. Were you surprised at the time, or...? Yeah, I uh, was, because I didn't think... Well, apart from the Iron Man films, I didn't think the rest of them had been particularly well-received. They did okay. They they did pretty well. No one's going to post them down at at a loss. Yeah, apart apart from the Iron Man ones. But, um, yeah, so, you know, obviously there was, like, a a hardcore group of nerds. (laughs) I'm not going to, you know, that's that's not a pejorative term. I, I would class myself <laughs> in there, um, who were going to go and see it regardless. Mm-hmm. But then I think word of mouth got out and people were like, actually, it's really good. I remember going into work um, the day after I saw it. It was on a Wednesday or something, and everyone was like, what's it like? I was like, it's really good. And they said, are you just saying it because you're a big Marvel fan? I said, no, it's really good. Like, take your kids, like, mm-hmm. take your wife, go and see it. Mm-hmm. It's really, you'll really enjoy it. And everyone came back on the Monday and said, Oh, that was really good, wasn't it? <laughs> and then they all told other people. And I think well, that, that was the thing. It just didn't. It didn't just appeal to the nerds, as you said. It, you know, I had a colleague as well who was in the same position who just never, not interested in these kind of films at all. Had no interest in Avengers. And I said, well, it's quite an entertaining blockbuster, and she enjoyed it. And it just had kind of a mass appeal that the other films lacked, I suppose. I don't know whether it was just because it was kind of. An antidote. I don't mind the Nolan films, but uh, Nolan Batman films. But, yeah. but you know, obviously, there's a lot of people who don't feel that. I, obviously, DC is a different flavour anyway to Marvel. Marvel's meant to be more fun. Yeah. Um. So we've been getting these kind of really serious films like the Bat- Nolan Batman, and then even before that, there were um, like the X Men films were quite serious and you know, kind yeah. of straight faced. Not that this is all Avengers and all uh, played for last, but there's definitely a lot more kind of zingers in there. Mm. And it's still funny as well. When I watched it yesterday, I still laughed at Hulk punching Thor. <laughs> just, like, I know it's coming, but it's still funny. Oh, he's just fantastic in this, Hulk. I mean, it's great as well that even though Mark Ruffalo had sort of come in and filled Ed Norton's shoes, so to speak, that it, it worked. It just worked really well. He was fantastic in this. He he is a more realistic banner in my opinion. I think he is yeah. like I think he's the banner. Like even from the there's a bit on top of the helicarrier when 
um, Steve Rogers turns up and like Banner's just uh, kind of like moving around really nervously around all yeah. these kind of jocks and, and you know people who are in like the Air Force and stuff like that and you're just like yep that's that's Bruce Banner yeah. <laughs> that is immediately him yeah yeah it's fantastic um, in fact it's not just Bruce Banner but just to even that little scene that you mentioned just bringing everybody together um, yeah. was one of the film's achievements because aside from the fact that they're all big superhero characters and so on, they're also, you know, actors with egos uh, to please, so to speak. So to try and get them all into a room and get the best out of all of them was, that's quite an achievement as well, I feel. Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of a necessary evil that it's, it spends so much time setting that up mm. because they don't really all kind of pull together until the last, I don't know, half an hour or something. Yeah. Um so, you know, it's going to, you know, because you can't just put all these people into a room and go, oh, hey, we're all friends now, we'll just fight this guy, it's fine. You <laughs> know, they've, they've each got to have a reason for, for doing it, basically. Yeah. Um, which is actually one of the things I'm looking forward to with Age of Ultron. You know, you're not, they're not doing that anymore. It's straight straight down to business, basically. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, we'll see, yeah. We'll see. It's, uh, another hour on top of the um, runtime, though, for Age of Ultron, isn't it, almost? So. Uh Yeah. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> I just hope it's used well. <laughs> yeah. I don't well, mind a long film as long as it's entertaining. Yeah, well, Avengers isn't a short film by any stretch. I mean, it's 140 minutes. Yeah, I think um, Avengers, uh, Age of Ultron is still under three hours. Is it still under three hours? Well, yeah, so this yeah. is about two hours, <laughs> ten minutes, I think, which ordinarily I would say is long for a film, but the pace of this film just zips by very quickly. Yeah, I can't really think of um, any kind of slow bits, to be honest. No. And uh, I, I suppose that, okay, well, particular highlights, have you got any for this film? Uh, it's quite a lot, aren't there? It's um, <laughs> quite a lot, just pick out a few. Um, I quite like, I, I do like, and I, and I think that Whedon wrote this in intentionally, Coulson's fangirling. Over <laughs> America. It's so funny. Yeah. It makes me like, especially when he's kind of all oh, their mint conditions. Yeah, has he, has he got <laughs> you to sign his, his Captain America cards? Yeah. Yeah, and then he goes into real, a slight foxing around the edges, real detail. <laughs> <laughs> and these people do. These people do go into such detail. I'm sure. Um, I really like the uh, scene between or the scenes between Loki and Thor, though. Mm. I think those are. I think those are better than than. Anything in the previous one, or the or the one after, to be perfectly honest, because you know he thinks Thor thinks Loki's dead, and then he's actually not dead, but he's actually trying to take over Earth, and uh, you know Thor's like, oh, I'm not sure about this, and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> although obviously he doesn't say that, and uh, yeah, so there there's some really good scenes there. Yeah. Uh, oh God, there's just so much, isn't there? There is. It's ridiculous. Okay, I think one of the things that you've touched on is perhaps not being fantastic about. Avengers was uh, Loki's motivation to bring them all together and things. Yeah. Is there anything else that perhaps <laughs> doesn't you... make sense? Um, I I don't really like the 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 way it was ended. I appreciate that there was literally nothing else they could have done. I would have struggled with that. But the mm. idea that they kind of there's a thread that's cut because the um, spaceship gets blown up and then all of a sudden every every Chitauri dies yeah. is a bit of a cop out to be perfectly honest but this is really picking like this is really nitpicking here there's a, there's far more right in this film than there is than there is wrong but yeah i i think but i think people have, i think Whedon's acknowledged that that's basically had no other way of doing it mm. he wrote himself into a corner yeah 
But it does at least set up some interesting dynamics that ran through Phase 2 from that moment. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Big man in a suit of armor. Take that off. What are you? Genius billionaire playboy philanthropist. We did mention it at the very start. Favourite film so far of Phase 1 or Phase 2? If you have one, of course. Um, I think just because I've seen it more, I think I have to go with Avengers. Mm-hmm. But uh, Guardians of the Galaxy isn't that far behind, and Winter Soldier isn't far behind that. So it would be—you could ask me on another day, and I would probably say something different. If I <laughs> if I just watched Guardians of the Galaxy, I might say that one instead. But um, yeah, just for just for the sheer ambition, really, mm. I think it's still got to be Avengers. Okay. And so I guess then the final question really is just looking ahead to phase three. Are there any that you're particularly looking forward to? Any that sort of stand out for you? Well, there's just there's just really one, isn't there? Civil War, bitches. Of yeah. <laughs> Got to be Civil War, especially now Spider-Man's in it. I, to be honest, I'm not really sure how that's going to work because everyone knows who Spider-Man is. Yes. Except I, I would really love, and I, I did read this somewhere, I think it was on Twitter, I would absolutely love if they manage to keep Spider-Man's, the new Spider-Man a secret until he does the Civil War scene of pulling off his mask in the film and saying I'm Peter Parker and I've been Spider-Man since I was 17 years old and then everyone would go mental and it would be like Robert Pattinson or someone and everyone would go (laughs) mental that was a joke that was a joke Um, (laughs) and everyone would just go mental, I'd love that if they they could keep it that secret, that would be amazing Mm. but um, it's obviously not going to happen, but it's going to be interesting and I really hope that other things aren't sidelined for him because yeah. you know we've had a fair few bites at the cherry with Spider-Man we don't and he's going to have I can't remember whether he's going to have his own film before that or after uh, I think it's an introduction in the MCU and yeah then, and then it's but, after he's having his own film I mean they, it feels like they've got plenty of time but as long as they don't shoehorn him in yeah, I think that that's the most important thing. Because they spent so long. I mean, because the the thing is, when people say, "Oh, I wish they had the Spider-Man rights back. I wish they had the X-Men rights back," and you think, "Well, no, not really," because we wouldn't be getting. We'd have just had Spider-Man and X-Men films churned mm. out for the last mm. five years. We probably we might be getting an Iron Man film now, but part of the reason that they had to they had to go with their at the time second like no one thinks of Iron Man being second string now but he was he was and and part of you know the whole reason they had to go with that is because they auctioned off all their most famous property and to be fair if they hadn't done that they wouldn't exist as a company now so um, yeah that's right it worked out in the long term yeah I think in the long term it did work out I want to know why Loki let us take him he's not leading an army from here I don't think we should be focusing on Loki that guy's brain is a bag full of cats. He could smell crazy on him. I've care how you speak. Loki is beyond reason, but he is of Asgard. And he is my brother. He killed 80 people in two days. He's adopted. Okay, well, I think that's as good a place as any to, to leave it. So um, I'll just say thank you very much for, for joining us, Carol. You're back on Thor The Dark World, so that's that's another one for people to, to look out for. And then we'll be the big one, Age of Ultron. You're, you're coming back for that. So. It is less than one month now. Less than one month. Less than that for anyone listening to this as well, of course. Oh, yes. Yeah, even closer. Um, but, uh, okay, so thank you very much, Carol, and uh, we'll see you then. Thank you. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes 
created by James Diamond. With original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. I don't see how that's a party.